Welcome to Jen and Juice. We are two sisters who grew up humbly in the trailer park and in Sunday school, where we weathered the storms of kitchen scissor bangs, purity culture, fundamentalism, culottes, flannel boards, and fellowship hall potlucks. We remain devout to Jesus as we continue to wrestle out our faith with fear and trembling. We hope to provide a safe space to have real, raw conversations about everything and nothing, this and that, the secular and the sacred, you know, the juxtaposition of all things life. We want to use what the Lord has given us. Snark, quick wit, hard-earned wisdom. We promise to show up wobbly on some days, strong on other days. We aim to be a refreshing palate cleanse in a world starving for hope and light. We're like therapy you can afford. Because we're free. So, welcome to Gin and Juice. We're We're here here to help help a sister and brother out. Hey, y'all. Juice here. I wanted to give you a little heads up before you listen to episode 34. We were not able to capture this interview in studio like we normally record, so you're definitely going to hear a sound differentiation from normal episodes because we had to rely on technology to capture this particular episode. And as life would have it, the internet and the computers and the telephones we were recording on would not cooperate. So we had a lot to go in and edit after we were finished recording, but the overall message did not get lost in the editing process. And we are thrilled because you are going to hear from one of our best and dearest friends. And she's going to speak about a topic that is so important. It's about breast cancer and the men in our lives. We hope you find something especially helpful about this episode that you can apply to your lives. All right. Enjoy the episode. And welcome back to Gin and Juice. We are here with a very special and dear friend, Di. Um, We are continuing our talk about um, breast cancer awareness for the month of October. And Di has been a sister to us for a long time. Jess, how did you meet Di? I met Diana through friends at church we just met at church and mm-hmm. um yeah gosh we were in our 20s we were so young and thin <laughs> <laughs> I barely we, remember <laughs> we were hot <laughs> if we do say so ourselves <laughs> yeah right mm-hmm. what do you mean were yeah <laughs> yeah that's right that's right Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I met Diana at church through friends and Diana has lived a thousand lives in front of us. And one of those lives, she was a missionary to Africa. And so she's been to 16 different countries. She's worked for one of the largest kind of aid um, agencies in the world um, that if you're part of evangelicalism or really any kind of church you you know um, the organization she worked for she's worked in churches she's been a children's pastor she holds a bible degree um and she also uh holds a nursing degree and she has been on staff at lots of churches and the permian basin she's been on staff at i mean she was on staff at temple baptist back in the day she's been on staff at stonegate oh gosh Uh, she was on staff at a church, uh, Fellowship of the Rockies in um, 
Colorado, and then most recently, and we have some listeners who are going to know this church and go bonkers over it, but she was, she's been on staff at Harris Creek in Waco. So all y'all who are big JP sycophant fans, y'all are like, well, she was on staff there. And um, that's still where that's her church. And, and she didn't leave the staff for any, you know, scandalous reasons. Um, she left because the Lord called her to head into back into the marketplace. And now she is using her nursing skills to be a school nurse. And let me tell you, she's never done more ministry <laughs> than in that school. Am I right? Man, being a light there it has never been anything like it. Maybe except like third world countries, but sometimes it feels like that in the school, honestly. So Boy, I love it. It's like, yeah, it's like a perfect, like if I could say of any perfect job, this is it for sure. At least in this season of my life where I get to love on women and kids and man, just let them know they have a purpose. And that's kind of what I try to do. So that's awesome. And in the meantime, you know, put some band-aids on, give some ice packs, clean up puke, those kind of things. So which is all yeah, byproduct. <laughs> yeah. Give a little mint for all the Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> give a tummy ache. Did you eat hot talkies again? Okay. <laughs> And I want to say, aside from all of her credentials, she is just one of our very best friends, like on the face of the earth. She is um, really just my, my best friend and I love her so much. And so Jenny is a redhead and this is Juice speaking and I'm a brunette. And when Diana came into our world, she's the blonde and our maiden name is Johnson. And so she is our blonde Johnson sister. Mm -hmm. We, we, she holds that. Yes, ma'am. So uh, anyway, <laughs> we, we know where all the bodies Proudly. are buried and the skeletons yep. lie in each other's lives. So we've walked yeah. on a lot of life. <laughs> yes, Bell each have. other out of jail. <laughs> the, yes, Jenny. How did you meet me, Jenny? <laughs> How did we oh, come I love this story. It's one of my favorites. So... Diana was back in the Permian Basin after being in Africa, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So um, I get a call on a Friday night. And of course, I was getting ready for bed. <laughs> okay. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh, I have so much to say about, wow. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> Actually, I was not. I was getting ready to but, go to a bar. <laughs> and my sister calls me, which is pretty rare on a Friday night. And because um, I was going through my Friday night Bible study phase. <laughs> I was the fun sister back then. <laughs> and she says, Jenny, um, do you have however much money? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's my tithe money for church, Juju. <laughs> Or for beer money for the bar all weekend. Oh, it's a cash bar. So she's <laughs> so like, hey, um, Di's getting arrested and we need to bail her out of jail. And I was like, the missionary? <laughs> what did she do? I cannot wait for this story. So please tell us your version of that end of the story. Um, okay, so I... I don't know like how you got involved, obviously, because I've heard the story, Jenny, but I was house sitting for some friends 
and they were gone for the weekend and I came in and I put the wrong alarm code in. It was like so simple and I just couldn't remember the code and I kept putting it in wrong and so policeman came finally I got it off policeman came and he ran my driver's license and apparently I had a hot chain ice so he let me call the only person I knew to call again my friend who buries the bodies so I called Juju and also knowing that Jerry Don was you know the man in blue and I figured that there was going to be some kind of you know he was going to make some kind of great um rescue on my behalf and so anyway I called Jess and I was like hey I'm getting arrested and they're gonna take me down to the county because it was out of county where where these people lived was outside the, the city limits so they had to take me to the sheriff and so I went and it ends up that just the warrant hadn't been cleared and it was just like a weird turn of events um, I did take care of all of that, but in the meantime, I did get thrown in jail and got a, I do have a mugshot. Um, and so in the midst of that, knowing that I was going to have to, I didn't know the details at the time I was going to need to get bond Jess because she's a wonderful friend, calls her sister for her beer money to come and bail me out. And so, but the best part is like that Jerry Don, your dad came in and I, um, was in a cell, of course. And I hear Diana Jones. Do we have Diana Jones? And I'm like, I know that voice. And it was so amazing. And he comes in, they open the door and he's there. And I think I like, first I smelled him. I could smell him before I could see him because he always smelled so good. And then I saw him and I think I just like, even now it makes me like, Ooh, one, because it was Jerry Don and just like knowing like there was somebody there to rescue me. And it was just like, so amazing to have that. Cause I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> I had been a missionary, seen a lot of things, but I'm like, wait, what's happening? So anyway, so thank you, Jenny, so much for also being my bond queen. <laughs> anytime, anytime. I always have beer money, okay? <laughs> so, well, I hope that doesn't happen again. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we do have children, so. Yes, know. exactly. <laughs> True. So anyway. So we really wanted um, Diana to come on today because she has a very unique piece of her story um, that relates to October and the emphasis of being kind of, it's really women's health and breast cancer awareness, but there's kind of this hidden part of breast cancer that you do not hear people talk about. And we feel like it deserves some attention um, because honestly, until this happened in Diana's life, I did not know that this could happen. And Diana, the story is, if you want to just share and, and then tell the, the parts of how we got there, mm -hmm. what is it that you experienced that, that leads you to be our expert interviewer, <laughs> interviewee today? Well, expert loosely, okay, but experience in it is actually my father was diagnosed with stage two invasive ductile carcinoma in March of 2013. So a very unusual for men to be diagnosed and usually they're diagnosed later in life. And so we were kind of shocked that, um, that he 
had breast cancer. So it was kind of a crazy turn of events, actually. So in November of, I guess it would have been 2011, he had triple bypass surgery and that in November. And so he was recovering from that, but to have triple bypass, he was really going to have his hip replaced, had a stress test. They said, Oh no, you got to have triple bypass. So as a result, um, had triple bypass in November. And then unfortunately my mother passed away the following February in 2012. And then <clears throat> as my dad was recovering one day, he just said, Hey, you know, I have this bump. I think it's from my scar tissue, but I want you to look at it. And I looked at it and it was like, yeah, kind of, but you know, you probably should have it checked out because his mother, um, and his sister at that point had both been diagnosed with breast cancer years before and had, and it had metastasized and they had both since passed away. So we were pretty like on top of it, like knowing that that was going to be like something we needed to be mindful of, not so much in him, but more in me, but, um, he was going to his doctor regularly. And so he went into Dr. O'Hearn, who was so wonderful. And he's like, yeah, I don't like that. Let's get you a mammogram and a sonogram. And so then that was um, like the end of February of 2013. And then on March 6th of 2013, he was diagnosed. And we went into the doctor and because <laughs> we weren't really sure. And he called us and it was like six o'clock at nine and said, hey, can y'all come in? So we went in. He's like, yep, you have cancer. It's very it's like stage two that we know of. We can't know for sure. It's contains two centimeters and we'll see if it is in your lymph node. Um, but in male in men, it's very aggressive. And so the doctor has only seen a few cases, but when they do find it, they try to get it out immediately. So literally he said, I have an opening tomorrow. So tomorrow you're going to go in and have a mastectomy. Um, and we'll go from there. So you'll probably have to go through chemo and radiation, but we won't know all that until we take that first lymph node and see if it has metastasized and we'll be able to better gauge what stage that is. So that's what we did. We went in and the next morning it was like, show up at seven 30 and we'll get this taken care of. And we kind of sat there like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> like I recorded, um, all of that to just know I, you know, when it happens so fast, you don't know like the questions to ask, or you don't remember all the details. And so when I've gone back to listen to it, and I'm always shocked because we're just giggly and like saying crazy things, because I think we're just in shock that all this is, has happened. Cause it's just, had seemed like a year of like crazy things. And it was just one more thing to add to it. So that began our journey from there. <laughs> so, um, after that, they, it was contained. So that was really great. It wasn't in his lymph node. Um, and he only, he had some radiation done and he never had to do chemo, which was awesome as well. Um, and then he did a, a couple rounds of radiation. And then from there, he just, you know, did the tamoxifen or estrogen blocker for five years. And he continued to stay really healthy and maintain that Texas oncology took care of everything there and they were wonderful. I mean, we've had great, um, a great relationship with them through lots of different things as, as, um, as things have progressed, as things did progress for my dad, he would have been 62 then, I guess. 61. 
when he was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so his sister and his mother both mm-hmm. had breast cancer as well, correct? On his correct. side. Correct. On his side. And then after my dad was diagnosed two, maybe two years later, his other sister. So my dad is the middle and he has four sisters and his two older sisters were diagnosed. She passed away, unfortunately, like 10 days ago. So uh, from metastasized breast cancer as well, went to her liver. And so, yeah, so it's very, um, they don't know. So one of the things that's interesting is that my dad did, of course, through all of this and based on my own history, my, um, my paternal grandmother and two paternal aunts, but then on my mother's side as well, I have a maternal aunt who also had breast cancer and has passed, had passed away. So like where I was, so I did all the genetic testing. We did genetics on me, my dad, my aunts, Texas oncology is very progressive and very, um, aggressive on like making sure anybody who is around you close proximity drinks your water whatever you know uh, in our family um, had genetic testing and so I did genetic testing and came back with no mutated genes no BRCA no anything I did it on pancreas uh, pancreas I mean any kind of cancer that they can actually test the gene for currently I've done it and so far I'm good And that's the interesting part. My dad did not have the gene either. And so, no, he did not have the gene. So they think that, well, not because of the breast cancer. When he originally got tested, he did not have any, any gene mutation or whatever that they, um, that they had discovered at that point in 2013. Now, since, um, in, um, when my dad was diagnosed with bone cancer, which did not metastasize, we do know that. So that's two separate cancers. So I want to make that clarification. They, Texas Oncology called back. And since then, they have found another gene that does cause breast cancer that my dad, but it's not the BRCA. So it's a different kind of thing. So there's always new discoveries being made for genetics that they're checking and seeing what genes can cause different types of cancer. And so I would say first off, if you have any history or any check in your spirit, just go do it. Like my last genetic testing cost me like 150 bucks. It was worth it. So it doesn't rule everything out, but anything that they have currently are able to detect that may, you know, as they make new discoveries right now, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm clean, (laughs) but still need to manage all that. That being said, I still have a mammogram every six months and an MRI every six months. And have done that since my dad was diagnosed. So, well, maybe not quite, but probably the last five years, I've definitely had a mammogram and MRI every six months. Um, One of the things that the doctor did say was that in men, it doesn't metastasize often. And that, um, now that may have changed because that was back, you know, it's been a while now. Um, I can't do the math. So, 2013, oh, I guess 10 years. This is our friend who also picked pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Diana and Jessica cannot cannot do math together. (laughs) We can Um, leave you to the Lord. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But don't make me add. 
That's right. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm not a teacher. See, thing. Um, so I don't know what I was saying now because I'm so cute that I can't. You were saying that it's been it's been ten years, <laughs> right. and so advances are constantly happening. And he just said that it's so it's aggressive in men as far as like specifically he had seen someone and he looked at it and he was like, Oh yeah, let's have a mimogram. And then just a few weeks later, he, it was a visible change. The doctor said he could see. So he's, and he'd only had two other cases of men breast cancer in his time um, as a surgeon. So it is very rare out there. So, or in general. So he just was like, we're not going to sleep on this. Are you busy tomorrow? And so that's why we chose to go ahead and do a full, uh, not full, but, um, left-sided mastectomy and, um, yeah. So, and he didn't have reconstruction or anything. Cause my dad, he's super chill and then didn't, didn't, didn't care about it. Uh, made lots of jokes about it, but, <laughs> but you were like, go bigger. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually just said, can you just go ahead and take the other one? So then I don't have like one man boob and not another. <laughs> but they didn't think that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for men, I would definitely say to do, you know, exams, especially with any kind of family history. And if anything is feels weird to have it checked out because it is very aggressive. Um, and 10 years ago at that time, they weren't seeing it metastasized. I don't know now if that's, if that's changed or if they're seeing different things or not, but so it's, it is very rare for sure. I, I have yet to meet another man who has had breast cancer. Yeah. Either. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of it. Your dad is literally the only, I know. the only mm-hmm. case I've ever heard. So it, it yeah. is yeah, really rare. Yeah. But I think the awareness, mm-hmm. because it is so rare that like a, a man could just have like a, a little lump and think, eh, lymph node mm-hmm. or just men just not being as, proactive in going to the doctors and having yearly exams and things and just dismiss it. And then, you know, as, as we're finding out this type of cancer in men tends to be so aggressive that time is short, you know, Mm -hmm. to to really get treatment. So I just think that's really interesting. And I think this is a podcast where mostly women are listening. We do Mm -hmm. have some men for sure but it's women who are doing the listening. It's also women who were typically making the doctor's appointments for the family. Yeah. And, um, and, and so this is just a, a, a note to all the women, like have these conversations with your husbands, especially if there is that family history, if your husband's the females on his side of the family, there's like a lot of breast cancer or any breast cancer. I mean, you know, just curl up to him and just like press on his pecs. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Ooh, baby. Uh, <laughs> he'll think he's getting frisky and you're doing a breast exam. <laughs> Can you please hook your head above your arm above your head, please? Yeah. <laughs> and now you're right. Yes. <laughs> but I, I just think for the women to hear this, um, because again, we really kind of are the keepers of the schedules for the family. And I my husband is very hands, all of our husbands are very hands-on, but Brad's not making appointments like that either. You know, like that typically does mm-hmm. fall within the the women of a family to um, even be cognizant of these yeah. things. And so I just think for all of you listening, 
be aware of this and, and be proactive because again, it's always that early detection saves lives, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. How did you process that? Because that was a year, as you said, that was a very hellish year for you losing Mm -hmm. your mom (laughs) unexpectedly. She died of a heart attack. We were on a girl's trip together Mm -hmm. and she died Mm -hmm. on the trip and you were in nursing school. Like you were taking your whole life was in like complete upside down transition. How, how did you even process this with your dad? Or did you even have time? I mean, that is fast. So fast. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, hadn't thought about it much really until we kind of started talking about having this conversation really. And I kind of went back and looked at journals and like what was going on because I am an Enneagram seven. And so I tend to avoid anything that isn't fun or warm and fuzzy or, um, deflect, whatever. And so I think Honestly, I probably did that more than anything. As I said, my dad and I were kind of making jokes, which is how we also handle. That's definitely how we handle my dad specifically. Um, Inappropriate, you know, humor in hard situations. So I think um, there was a level where I was like, this can't be happening. I remember... um, so my mom had passed away while I was in nursing school and I had graduated in, um, set to, I took my NCLEX, I think in, um, September, um, of 12. And so then just a few months later is when my dad was diagnosed. So I had no clue. I mean, you know, as a nurse, <laughs> what was that really happening? Um, and I think that I just was like, I just prayed, man. I think more than anything, I just prayed like, Lord, please, you cannot, you cannot do this to me, like losing my mom so suddenly. And then knowing the history just with my grandmother and my aunt and my other aunt, even on the other side and watching how breast cancer can just be so life sucking, you know, and not every story is that way, but in my experience had been that way. And so, and then I have a brother who has special needs and I was thinking this can't be happening. And so I think I just was on my face just asking the Lord, you know, to heal my dad and not really realizing even at the time after my dad had his surgery, I think my dad went through a series of depression as well, uh, losing my mom and then having can't breast cancer, I think just, and I, I was just like in power through mode. Come on, get up. You got to go. You got to do your thing. You got to go. And I was definitely the one making the appointments. I was making sure he was doing what he was supposed to do. And I just became kind of the mother of our household, which I wasn't married at the time. So it was me and my dad and my brother. And it was just like, here we go. You know, (laughs) we're going to take care of business and very much, you know, operated in my eight (laughs) and, um, And that's just kind of how I survived through it, I think. And then until once I got married, it made a huge difference. Um, I kind of felt just, even if my husband didn't take care of things, there was a level of like, oh, at least I have someone who can take care of me. Maybe. I don't know. I think there was some of that too, that I was like, how is it that I have to continue to take care of people? Who's going to take care of me? You know? And that was a huge, I think, relief for me, just knowing that somebody, even if it was like, I didn't have to pay all the bills and really like not, (laughs) 
not even to spiritualize it at all, but just for the pure, you know, um, security of it. Um, but then whenever my, my son was born, it changed my dad and he had something to live for. And so I, I can get in my head a lot about what I could have done different or, or not, but I recognize that Robert and Tripp were really like a gift to get more years with my dad because had that not happened, I think my dad um, would have given up a long time before, but he and Tripp were buddy, buddy, buddies. And so he was like, no, I'm going to see him graduate. <laughs> and so I think that was something my dad really, really fought for. And so it made it like worth it for me too, you know, to do all the hard stuff and like be on his case all the time and making sure he was doing what he needed to do <laughs> as best as I could without losing my mind. So anyway, sorry. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, part of your story too, that are a, a lot of people listening, don't know anything about you. You were single until you were 40. Mm -hmm. You didn't get, yeah. you met Robert and so your mom had already passed away. She was already gone to be with the Lord. And so your mom never even got to see you as a wife. She never got to see mm -hmm. you in this great relationship. She never got to see you as a mother. And so it was really special that your dad was there and got to watch you in those roles. And, and your dad genuinely, truly loved Robert, yeah. your husband. <laughs> I mean, they did, they loved each other mm -hmm. so much. And I feel like they were like a team yes, like taking much. care of like things with your brother, Aaron. And, um, and mm -hmm. like, I think that was sweet to watch as your friends that you had someone to bear some of that with you. Um, the things going on with your dad or with Aaron or with whatever, but you had someone to go home and divide that burden. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think, um, for your dad, it was sweet that he got to see his daughter with someone who was going to, to come alongside and help take care of her, yeah. you know, for once mm -hmm. too. And I just, there just seemed like a lightness in him that lifted when mm -hmm. you and Robert got together and you and Robert met and were married. I mean, from the time you met to the time you're married was what, five months, four months. Um, yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's not long. August to December. August. Yeah. Okay, I can't count. August. We'll let the listeners do the math. Five months. What'd you say? We'll let the listeners do the math. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can't do everything for them. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's definitely, I can see, like, I go back and what I say, even with my mom's passing, any situation where it's just been like so tragic. I continue to see God's kindness to me specifically. I saw it with my mom moving back to Odessa to go to nursing school and get to spend those last few years with her and us to really restore that relationship that God did not have to give me, but he did. And I feel like that with my dad as well. Like he, um, just, I mean, we went through a, we, my dad and I were always close. And then we went through a rough patch, especially after my mom died. Cause I just felt like he needed to do more than what he was doing. Of course I hadn't processed that he had breast cancer and he lost a wife and, you know, cause I'm just like, let's do this thing. Um, and his health, you know, 
uh, he had suffered, like he, I said, he went in to originally get his hip replaced and ended up with open heart surgery. And so he still had, he still never got his hip replaced. And for years and years and years, just lived in so much pain. And I think I just watched him just be in, in complete peace in in just the path that the Lord had carved out for him, you know, and he just was so strong in his faith. The last, when we moved to Waco, we moved my dad and my brother to Waco as well. And that was just like the sweetest time because I just saw my dad relationship with the Lord flourish. He'd always been a believer. Well, not always, but he came to know the Lord right before I was born, but always been in church, did children's ministry. I mean, definitely. That was, right. that was all after he was a pot farmer. No, <laughs> yes, he was y'all, y'all should know that he was a pot That's farmer. That's another episode. That's another episode. And yes. then he came uh, to know the Lord and, yes. and so Diana grew up in church and that was her whole yeah. world. Parents played yeah. on the church softball league. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Diana was a little church rat like us. Yeah. Yeah. And trailer yeah park rat. Rat. <laughs> and trailer park. And which is what actually my, our trailer fell on my dad and broke his hip whenever I was like 10 years old. And so, had, <laughs> and so, yes, you wait, know, this. Wait, wait, pause. first pause. of all, you got to give us the stats of your dad. Tell him how tall he was. He's six, six. He was He's a very tall man. He was so tall. So tall. He was a big man. Yeah. He was, mm-hmm. he was a big Mike. <laughs> yeah. Big Mike. Mm-hmm. Big Mike. Uh, so nicknamed tiny. So he played football and all that stuff. But yes, we lived in a trailer. I grew up in a trailer <clears throat> and it had rained one. I don't know exactly, but our trailer had sunk, was sinking. And so they, he and my grandfather were putting jacks a jack under it and the jack broke and it fell yes I I see you laughing yes we did not have tires on our roof underneath. so the jack broke it broke my dad's crushed my dad's hip anyway that's why I needed a new hip you don't you can't comprehend what we're talking about right you are not a native West Texan if you didn't have to jack your house (laughs) exactly Um, right so anyway but yes I did grew up in church and all the things. So it just, that was very, um, very much part of my, my life. I mean, it's just like the culture I was raised in, but watching it become like a real life thing for my dad was like, so sweet and watching Robert and my dad, like, I think that probably if anybody, the person who has the hardest time with my, my dad is Robert for sure, because him, him and my dad were really close. And my dad did, because they talked about all the things nobody else wants to talk about, you know, like politics or I don't know, things like random stuff that nobody cares about. And so, um, but just like the faith that my dad had, and he was very intentional and very, um, no, no, just like such a quiet piece. Oh, can you? One of my favorite things about your dad, um, like those last maybe five years or so of his life that he would talk about his favorite quality of God was that God is wise. Mm -hmm. You remember him Mm -hmm. saying that? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And when he said that one time we were talking, because I also like to go in those weird deep conversations with your dad and Robert, (laughs) there was a conversation and your dad had said that. And I was like, I know that is like an attribute of God. It's a characteristic of who God is, 
but I had never really reflected on that. And the way your dad was like, as you're talking about, like he had just this quiet sense of joy and peace. It's like he knew an aspect or something of God that I did not know in that way. And it made me want to know God in that way. Like it seemed like this intimacy with God that mm-hmm. he had. Mm-hmm. And when he talked about God being wise, and so he just, he, he trusted God because he knew God was wise. So God wasn't mm-hmm. going to make some foolish, dumb, you know, decision for his life. So he, mm-hmm. he built faith that built his faith. And I just thought, how interesting and even wise of your dad to be able to go there and build faith on, on that attribute of God, you mm-hmm. know, we'll build our faith on the fact that God is good or God is faithful or God is love, but God is wise. I've literally mm-hmm. never in my life has anybody said that to me. And so I, it just, it's, it still sits in a very uh, reflective and tender place in my heart. When I think about the way your dad um, walked with his wise God. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that you say that. Cause I think even being close to him, there's things like that, that I don't, didn't perceive, but hearing you say that, like it changes your perspective on anything that, that you go through. Right. right. Because it's not like, Oh, that's good. so yeah, he's letting me go through this. He's good. It'll be fine. But it's like, man, he's wise. He knows all the inner workings of all the things that we can't see, you know? And, um, I just, I don't understand, you know, for sure. But, and I can't say that I see God as wise, to be honest, just a confession, like, but I definitely can look at my dad and know that that is exactly an attribute that he would have lived out and wanted to everywhere he went. God is wise and, and he can trust that. And so, that's a good word, Jess. So I need to take that and remember that in all the things in life for sure. He was so fun. And he was, he always had a smile on his face. Always. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he did have a joy always that I think was just like in the assurance of who he was in Christ. I don't, he never, he had such a, such an amazing salvation story that he never he never doubted he never wondered he never where my mom grew up in church but always lived in the condemnation and got saved every week and my dad just "Mm -mm, I'm good I I did it once I know and he just walked in that and it I can you can see the difference of how that lives out just in your everyday life of people who are always trying to you know earn even though they know they can't earn it. But my mom was just always striving, you know, to just be good enough or whatever for the Lord. And my dad was just like, it's what you get, (laughs) you know, and all the stuff, you know, I can tell you how to grow a platform and, you know, (laughs) and God's good with that. (laughs) And lots of things. (laughs) Yeah. He has lots of stories. So anyway, but it was, it, and I just realized like in the last days of his life, all the people that um, reached out to him and wanted to talk to him and who he specifically made was intentional because he, there were people he wanted to make sure knew the Lord and, and um, it was just really cool. So I don't know if I even made that clear that 
my dad did pass away. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was like in that, but unfortunately, um, it, and it was a quick thing as well. Um, he had been in a lot of pain. We took him to the doctor. They thought it was liver, did some blood work. Um, he had been doing his oncology appointments. So, um, but just not being able to control the pain, thought it was gallbladder, went into the surgeon. The surgeon said, I don't know, that looks funky. Um, had a CT scan and, and realized that there were some abnormalities on his bones and which led us to cancer, but they didn't really get to, I know it didn't metastasize, but they didn't get to biopsy it just because they were afraid the biopsy was going to be too invasive and he just wasn't strong enough to do it. And they were going to give him some things to strengthen his bones. Um, but he decided he just, he didn't want to do that. And so um, it was just too much for him. And so we never got an official diagnosis on what it was, but some type of bone cancer. They think multiple myeloma potentially, which is not related at all to breast cancer. Um, and that's probably what I would say because one of his other sisters who is still living, my aunt Connie, she was diagnosed here with multiple myeloma. So likely there's some kind of genetic thing. So if you have weird pains in your bones, make sure you have those checked out too, even though it's not bone cancer month. So that's my, <laughs> that's my PSA for you too. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, but as a result, did pass away from that, but it was like a sweet, sweet time, you know, quick and eat quick not easy, but easy for him. Um, and just watch the Lord take him so graciously. So, yeah. And trip. Wah, wah. <laughs> we have a lot of death stories, don't we? We do. <laughs> I know. We started calling ourselves we death do. sisters because yeah. we were all together yeah. and Diana's mom oh. passed away on a girl's trip, like Jessica said. And so we were like, Oh my gosh, we're the dead sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We have been through the tragedies with each other for sure. Just yeah. Yeah. longevity of our friendship and me and life just does that too. So yeah. I'm so thankful to have you all and get to walk this road with with gin and juice. Mm-hmm. We're so thankful too. Yeah. Uh, when our dad died. Diana was living in Colorado and of course she jumped in the car and got here. I mean, I think she drove all through the night. I know she did and, um, and got here. And then she was one of the people that like, maybe the only person that stayed at my mom's house and like had a legal pad and wrote down people's names as they stopped by and dropped stuff. Cause as we were making funeral arrangements and things, we weren't always at the house. And so the house people kept coming by and Diana didn't know every single person, of course. And so she was just wise enough to jot it all down and like leave kind of a written record for us and uh, answer the phone. She was the one that for me, she would stick food in my hand and say, take a bite of this, take a bite. You know, uh, she's literally the one that fed us. And um, there's a scripture that uh, in the Old Testament that talks about um the ministering ravens were sent to feed one of the the prophets Mm. who was just desperate and depressed and heartbroken and couldn't get up and even feed himself. And, um, a few years ago, I was reflecting, um, about the people that were those ravens that fed us. And Diana, you were literally like the first person that I wrote down and 
but it, even in my mind, you literally put food in my hands, like physical food, but then also just spiritually, you know, you fed me, um, you fed us, um, emotionally, you, you took every phone call, you, you know, if I was happy, you would listen. If I was mad, you would listen. If I was sad, you would listen. Um, and that I'm now understanding, you know, your personality more in light of like the Enneagram and things we've studied and understanding like how hard that was for you. I count it as even more of a <laughs> gift that you waded into those waters, um, with me because your personality in your flesh is to flee that. And so I know that when you walked that path, that was really you just abiding like in obedience to the Lord to be a good friend to me. So I just, I love you so much. And, um, and I'm so grateful for your uh, hand in my life. I'm so grateful for your mom and your dad. Um, and we miss both of them. I miss Linda and I miss Mike and your son, <laughs> her son trip called her dad, Mike, he called him dude. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I just love that. And he loved that. Mike loved that, that he, he was dude. And so, um, I, I don't know what, I just want to say we miss them and we're so grateful for all their stories because all of who they were built you and um and we're we're grateful for every bit of that because we benefit from the you that has just touched our life for 20 plus years so we love you thank you for sharing your story today with us you're so sweet of course it's my pleasure and I would just when you say that, I, I feel a lot of conviction as a seven, uh, to press into my avoidance or press against, I don't know what the proper thing is. And especially like seeing how God made us, but then when he's called us into a situation, how we are supposed to respond is out, is in his strength and not ours. And, um, Again, I think that was his strength and all that, but just to encourage people like, man, just show up <laughs> when people, it, nobody, I had no clue. Like just even, I didn't, if I did that, I don't rem, I remember doing it, but I didn't know that that was what I was supposed to do. I guess I just, you know, I wanted to eat, so you need to eat or whatever. I don't know. Um, I know you got to send thank you notes. I mean, I don't know something, you know, to do something. So even, um, and so I just encourage, like, even when you don't know to do that, because I think oh, that is really how you get to show up, um, the people in Jesus name and all of it is in vain if we don't proclaim him. And so I just want to, um, man, and if you're going through cancer or somebody, you know, is, I would love to encourage you. Oh, Jesus, definitely reach out to us because I know how you get through it. Otherwise there is no other way, um, to have like peace without him to get to see all of our loved ones again. Um, and making sure that we all get to see them. And it's so important. I got to see JD and my mom and my dad and my aunts and my grandmas. And there's just so many, um, 
And that's not what, why I want to, but it's just the benefit is getting to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if we can help with that and also even just on your journey to be a voice or to be an ear or to be a, you know, or to make a joke, definitely call me for that. We got those. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> we got those. We do. Yeah. So. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you, Dad. Love you. I feel like we kind of veered off a little bit, but. I think it's perfect. Melbourne breast cancer is a real thing. So yeah. check yeah. your man's pecs. That's right. <laughs> check those pecs. Check your pecs. Okay. <laughs> I love y'all. Love you. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for sharing your time with us. You can follow us on Instagram at jenandjuice.ig and on Facebook at jenandjuice. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me on Instagram at jennyhill.ig. That's Jenny with the J and an I. And I'm Juice, a.k.a. Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicaphillips.ig. We can't wait to meet you here again next week as we continue these conversations where, as always, we're here to help a sister and brother out. Yo! Yeah.